today on the Almond Journey podcast. I really would like to see pricing get stabilized. So I think coming up with a really strict philosophy around budgets and how to manage the farm. Recognize where are we going to get the most value for the money we're spending. We hear perspectives from around the almond industry about their hopes for 2024 and beyond. Welcome to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. It's on this show that we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in most cases, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Well, happy 2024 to each and every one of you. We're back after the new year with a special episode today, highlighting several different perspectives from around the industry. Last month during the Almond Conference 2023, I had the pleasure of recording over a dozen different interviews that we'll be releasing throughout this year. And one of the questions I asked these guests was what's on their mind headed into 2024 for this year and beyond? You might remember we did this last year, and the answers are a very interesting way to discover what's on the top of the minds of various people from throughout the almond industry. So today you're going to hear from Alicia Rockwell, Brett Sill, Nav Athwal, Joe Palomino, Christine Gemperly, Julie Adams, Ambassador Doug McCaleb, Michael Kelly, Brent Holtz, and Joseph Jackson. First, Blue Diamond Growers Chief Government Affairs Officer and current Vice Chair of the Almond Board of California Board of Directors, Alicia Rockwell, sums up what's on a lot of people's minds headed into 2024, the hope for better prices and profitability for growers. I really would like to see pricing get stabilized as we come into this next year, um, do all that we can to continue to market. Our industry has been typically one of the best at marketing our product. And part of that reason is because it's so versatile, right? There is no other nut that does as many things. It can come in so many forms. It can be on your plate. Um, We've even got research showing, you know, skin health opportunities with oil. I, I mean, it's just amazing how much we can do. And I think we need to keep marching to that and pushing that out to encourage you know, more sales broadly, because then then it will stabilize, right? We did get through our shipping issues. Um, we made them more resilient. So now going into the future, if we get any, you know, unusual disruptions, we have a lot of other avenues to be able to continue to meet our commitments. That's a that's a probably the silver lining out of the pandemic for us, right? Because it was some, a weakness that we really didn't realize before the pandemic and then when it hit and we were in the middle of it, now we're we're prepared, right, with all these other things. So that won't be necessarily the hurdle that it had been. So we just need to keep doing what we do best. And that is promoting all the great forms and ways that people can enjoy almonds around the world. And that will help us get to a point of stabilization and and hopefully get our growers to where they're more profitable because right now it's most of them are not and we know that and it is a struggle 
A struggle indeed. Kern County almond grower Brett Sill had similar thoughts about trying to find ways to bring more value back to the farm. He took his thoughts in a slightly different direction, though, through things he's trying on his operation, like more regenerative practices and more connection to the end consumer of his products. Yeah, things I've been thinking about is how do we add more value to our product? You know, right now, trying some of the regenerative practices, yeah, I can only cut out so much cost. And if I'm not adding value to that product, then how are we going to survive? And so that's been something I've just been thinking of. And, and uh, through our partnerships with JSS Almonds, we were able to open a, a butter line. And that's something that we're adding value to our product. And so, you know, you know, hey, can we come up with a label? Can we come up with something that we can add value to our product that we can sell so that you know, the supply chain is so messed up, I think, in this country and, and not just almonds, but in produce and everything that we do that we need to do a little bit more direct and, and be able to retain some more of that profit back to the grower. Because I can't charge a su- uh, fuel surcharge like, you know, I get fuel surcharges all the time from transportation companies. But do I get to do that? Can I put a profit margin on my my product? I can't do that. So. You know, we as growers need to learn how can we add value to our product. And in the midst of these more challenging economic times on the minds of many growers and and others throughout the industry was the question of how can we continue to invest and think long term while, of course, surviving the short term. This was top of mind for Nav Athwal, president of Trinut Farms and Terra Ag Ventures, who operates over 9,000 acres of tree crops and row crops in the central part of the state. It's extremely important to Nav to continue investing in his people and his orchards with a long-term vision in mind. Yeah, so I, I think the first thing I'm looking at is just how do we continue reinvesting in our operation? How do we continue to make sure we have the best people going into the new year? You know, I think one of the things a lot of farmers did last year is they cut inputs. Um, you've you've probably heard about the navel orange worm damage. And for me, again, being long-term means being long-term. You know, when you put an orchard in, when you put a tree in the ground, you're going to be investing in that tree for 25 years. And so if you cut too much one year because prices are down, that orchard may not recover, whether it's water or some other input. So for me, it's you need to have a philosophy of, I'm going to farm this land I may have some small deviations. I may not make that big tech investment, but I'm not going to deviate from a plan even if the market drops 20% or goes up 30%. So I think coming up with a really strict philosophy around budgets and how to manage the farm to get the most out of it, that's been key. Uh, the other thing is sustainability. I mean, I, I'm a very big believer in you know, soil health, um, cover cropping, compost, as I mentioned to you. So we have a plan that we're gonna keep that as part of our ongoing um, management plan. And so that's something we're doing a lot of. But what I'm watching uh, like a hawk is interest rates. You know, we have debt like a lot of farmers. So seeing that debt go up by 3X, that's been hard. It's been difficult to manage. So just watching the interest rates and finding out, hey, when is a good time to potentially lock some rates, refinance some debt, that is one thing I'm watching. And then the second thing I'm really watching is how do we continue to improve what we're doing as an operation? How do we continue to make efficiency gains? How do we continue to invest in the right technology, but not overdo it? So it's really a mixed bag and then water. I mean, honestly, they said it's an El Nino year. There's been very little rain. Maybe it'll be a late rain. 
But I always go into any season thinking we're not going to have enough rain and we need to stretch that water as far as we can. So that's where I'm, I'm always there in December, unless we just get an atmospheric river or three uh, going into the new year. But I'm always thinking about water and how we're going to stretch that. Cause in, in some of our farms, we have great water, more water than we need. And some we have barely enough to, you know, keep the trees going if it's a very bad drought year. Water, as you just heard Nav talk about, is also on the minds of a lot of people in the industry, including Clovis-based agronomist Joe Palomino. He's looking forward to helping his grower customers invest in their orchards as well. In his case, he's often helping growers invest in soil and crop nutrition to achieve a more balanced, more productive, and more resilient crop. I'm excited. They said it's going to be wet, so I'm here. I'm, I'm waiting on the rain. We're all praying for it. We haven't it. seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. I mean, we're sitting here early December waiting on it, but uh, I'm excited about the rain. I'm, I'm excited about building on, on, on some of these plans that we're doing with some of our growers. Usually after a good year of working together, uh, the, the first year is about taking care of the soil and bringing that into balance. And then the trees just start to begin reacting a certain way because they're living in a, in a healthier environment. So after farming the soil year one, year two is really about getting the tree in balance. And then the more we do together, uh, you just begin to kind of unleash some of the genetic potential in whatever you may be growing. And once everything's in balance, these things begin to, to take off. And uh, I'm just, it's exciting to see you know, one year parlay itself into two years. And then these guys have, have more at the end of the year to pay the bills. Yeah. I'm just excited about doing more work with these folks and, you know, getting the opportunity to showcase what we're doing and, and honestly refining some of our plans. Cause I know that there's going to be things year two or year three that we aren't doing that we did in year one, but we needed year one to get that variable under control. And once it's under control, well, then we move on and start looking for what the next, uh, you know, limiting factor may be. And then we address that. And, and then once everything is, is, is in balance, then it's just about maintenance. And you still got to be diligent to determine that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole lot easier to maintain than it is to try to correct. So once we kind of break through that wall, things get a, get a little bit easier, so to speak. Not that we're cutting any corners. It's just a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit easier to manage once, you, once you've got, like anything, once you've got it under control. Achieving balance in the orchard is something I also spoke to grower and almond board member Christine Gemperly at last year's Almond Conference, the Almond Conference 2022. You heard that full interview back on episode 51 of this podcast. And Christine came back for another interview at TAC 2023 and says what she's thinking about most headed into 2024 are ways to reduce inputs without sacrificing profitability. Well, I think one of the things I'm really driving to is reduced inputs. How do I develop my soil so that it doesn't need as much, right? So that it provides its own nutrient based on the soil health and the microbes. And, and so can I get away with in the future with healthier soils with, I don't know, half the fertilizer? And what kind of fertilizer is that going to be? I would love to have um, the ability to do a little less synthetic, but I'm now thinking Maybe my goal is to find a balance between, you know, more natural sources and then synthetic. And maybe there's a perfect combination. So that's, that's what I'm driving 
But at the same time, less input <laughs> because it's less expense. We just have to become more efficient. And when you say natural sources, is that mostly compost you're talking about? Compost. Mm -hmm. I did talk to, so there's this beam circular event that I went to um, and it's in Stanislaus County and they are looking to create a biotech ag industry in the Valley based on all our co-products and you know, waste stream because we have so much of it. But almonds is the bulk of that because we have such a consistent supply of holes and shells. And there is a company that's, I believe, based in Switzerland that wants to come here and make a safe, injectable, natural fertilizer product based on what's coming out of the rear ends of animals around here. Because <laughs> if you think about it, the Central Valley has a lot of livestock. That's a lot of nitrogen. And it has always been considered a waste. And you have all these, you know, waste management programs. I think it's a resource, not a waste. We just need to make it safe. And this is this company. This is one of their goals. Addressing the high cost of inputs is something that's driving innovation at the farm level and beyond. We had a special interview at TAC in which Almond Board Vice President of Global Technical and Regulatory Affairs Julie Adams sat down with U.S. Chief Agricultural Negotiator Ambassador Doug McCaleb. As you might expect, they talked about enabling and empowering global trade for California almonds, but they also talked about something I didn't expect, trying to remove barriers to lowering the price of agricultural inputs. You know, growers are really facing some some strong economic headwinds right now, and cost of production is really high. What are some of the the opportunities you see coming about that might help growers in that sense? Yeah, as as chief agriculture negotiator, we certainly push for uh, market access in other countries, and we push for you know favorable trading conditions. But we also work on products that are coming into the U.S., including inputs that farmers use for their production. So uh, producers may not be aware that earlier uh, last month, the administration announced uh, the reduction of the duty on uh, phosphorus fertilizer coming out of Morocco. Uh, this was a really substantial reduction. The, the duty had been near 19%. It's now down to 2%. Um, in addition, uh, USDA has placed about $900 million into domestic uh, fertilizer production and uh, uh, fertilizer uh, resource development. So again, we, we recognize that we can push for uh, new market export opportunities for U.S. farmers, but at the end of the day, the farmer also has to pay the bills, and that needs to be a positive ledger sheet. So uh, the administration is absolutely looking at all angles possible to make sure that at the end of the day, uh, farmers are able to uh, to be sustainable and uh, to uh, be able to remain uh, in positive uh, economic conditions. Around the Almond Conference, another hot topic was pest management, especially naval orange worm. You heard Nav earlier in this episode talk about what a bad year it was for naval orange worm damage. And that's on the mind of Central California Almond Growers Association President and CEO Michael Kelly. He's involved with a program that's trying to do something about it. 
Well, from a visionary standpoint, you know, I talked about watching costs, but one thing that I'm involved with is a, a, a program that I was involved with when I worked in the cotton industry, uh, not only as a grower, but, but I was uh, uh, tangentially involved with it uh, when I worked for the uh, National Cotton Board, and that was a, a pink bollworm eradication program that took place. Um, at this time, there's a facility that irradiates a pink bollworm that's not doing that anymore because the pest was eradicated. Uh, we're trying to switch that uh, plant, or we have successfully switched that plant to rearing sterile navel orange worm moths that since two, 2018 have been dropped in a, a localized area in the San Joaquin Valley and the program's funded by the federal government. And the idea is to suppress navel orange worm to a level that we can preserve our chemistries that are being taken away from us. And it's a great story because it will help us to preserve what we've got, but also do something that uh, serves the governor's call to get away from pesticides. So um, it's not about eradication, it's about suppression. And it's showing a lot of merit. So I'm, I'm very excited about that from a visionary standpoint. I think it would be one of uh, the greatest things that happened for the industry. And um, there's uh, those of us that are on the almond and the pistachio and the walnut side uh, that are working with uh, the University of California and uh, with the USDA um, on this program. And uh, there's some wonderful researchers that are bringing in some uh, awesome data. If there's a year to test it, it was this year and last year. And, and uh, we've, we've, it, it looks like it's, it's showing a lot of merit this year. The collaboration with the university continues to be a key aspect of moving the almond industry forward. During TAC, I had the chance to sit down with UC Cooperative Extension Farm Advisor Brent Holtz. We talked about his recent video with the Almond Board on tree planting and what he's looking forward to most in 2024, more collaboration with the industry, and a similar video on pruning first-year almond trees. Well, I, I, as I talked to Taylor and Jenny of the Almond Board, uh, you know, they asked me, you know, what other things do I think might need some help with the extension where the Almond Board and the, and the U University of California can cooperate together to deliver, you know, high quality extension materials. And this tree planting video is one. And the other one that I suggested is, is pruning first year almond trees. And uh, also, I think, Again, you have situation where we talk to growers about how to prune a first-year almond tree. That's really a important time to prune because you're selecting scaffolds that are going to be the main primary scaffolds for the rest of that tree's life. So that's a very important time to to prune. And again, you might have situations where you have labor crews come in and prune for growers and, and they might not understand the same principles that we just tried to convey. So after the tree planting video is done, I think we're going to turn our attention to a pruning first year almond trees video in both English and Spanish. So that's, uh, that's on my mind. And uh, I hope we can do that this, this winter of 23-24. When it comes to looking into the future for almonds, that's a big part of what they do over at the Almond Board of California Strategic Ag Innovation Committee. Visalia-based grower and ag tech customer success manager Joseph Jackson explains how the committee is thinking about big problems and big solutions for the future of almonds. I've loved on 
the specific strategic ag innovation committee really thinking about what are we wanting to do not just you know five years but 10 years 15 years 20 years down the road to really set up the almond industry for success some of the guys will kind of laugh um, at me specifically i'm one of the younger committee members and they're like well joseph you know it's gonna be kind of your problem well, we won't be dealing with this it's gonna be your issue here and it's like oh, you're not you're not too far off there this is an issue i'm probably gonna have to figure out how to deal with and uh, i like that aspect that we're really trying to think far ahead. We had a great exercise in our most recent uh, October meeting where we were trying to write down on post-it notes what are, we thought were the most serious issues facing the industry and which ones we thought were the highest priority to the lowest priority, easy to fix, hard to fix, and then seeing what did we as a group all think? Where did we really find alignment? Like, oh, this is something that we are all aligned on. What kind of funding are we actually directing to solve or answer this question and really kind of organize as not just the strategic ag innovation, but we are also working with our working group, the production stewardship working group was joining us that day. And as a collective, what do we think are the biggest problems or the, the low hanging fruit, the things that might be easy to fix? And then looking at our research portfolio, the money that we are spending and directing towards you know the academics or you know we're spending to try to answer questions and problems and understand our kind of ideas about what the almond industry needs to go towards, are we in alignment? Are, is the money we're spending on research in alignment with the big goals we have as an organization? And I think that's something we've really been considering over the last year or even two years is making sure, again, you know, it, it is a big thing, but it's very true coming back to like the excess and understanding economics and our profitability as an almond board, we've had the cut back. We had to make decisions at the strategic ag innovation committee. We had budget cuts. I'm glad I wasn't the one, but I, you know, we had to approve researchers being told, "We're very sorry. There's no more funding. It's the end, you know, the end of the road." Um, and that was sad, but I think it was realistic to understand we have to kind of tighten our belts and recognize where are we going to get the most value for the money we're spending. Um, and coming into those meetings, and this is why I encourage involvement, like especially involvement from growers, this is your money. You know, every pound of almonds you sell or your distributor sells, however they get out there, but every pound of almonds this is where that money is going. And you can really understand and look at the research portfolio or look at how the marketing organization is doing market, like whatever it is, you know, I'm more involved with ag research, but you can understand this is where my money is going. Am I happy with this? Or do I want to push back and say, we should actually be directing money over here? Well said. What do you remember that the collection that you guys were aligned on? Like, hey, these are the problems we need to attack. Do you remember what those are? Oh, there were, uh, to be honest, there were a lot. Okay. It was a great exercise, but I think we hit on a lot of the stuff kind of we were talking on today, like, all right, we need to um, be better about automation. But I think we largely viewed that as like, well, that's something that we've kind of actually solved. It's more about helping growers now access the resources to, you know, be able to automate, whether it's finding affordable systems or uh, it's accessing government funds um, to be able to do that. But then some of the big things I remember, particularly um, yield estimates. That was one I think we were virtually all in alignment on that we as an industry need to be better about estimating the yield very early in the season. And how we're going to do that, um, 
That's an open question. I think that's where we're gonna look to some of the researchers and the university to be like, okay, we have a problem. You know, we want to be able to understand production. We want to understand production as early as possible because that changes so many factors. That changes the nutrition you're purchasing. That changes your applied water. There are going to be so many critical decisions you make off of that information. And right now it's not there. It's not very good. Any of the yield estimate stuff we have right now, we're not terribly happy with and we really want to see improvement on. Um, but I will not say that's one that really stuck out to me. I remember I wrote that one down, but there were, there were a host of them. But it was really good, and that's why we have a big group. We have our committee, we have our working group, lots of great minds in there coming from every different industry, whether it's coming from um, nutrition companies, um, pesticide growers, both large growers, you know, the 50-acre growers to the huge growers to, you know, adjacent industries like my own and irrigation management. Like, it's a nice group of people who we can all be like, all right, you know, my ideas are here, your ideas are here, but we all agree on these are the top priorities, and that's where we want to spend our money. Well, thank you so very much to all of these folks who took some time during the Almond Conference 2023 to provide insight into the current state of the almond industry and a vision for what they hope is ahead in 2024 and beyond. You'll be hearing from these folks and several others that gave interviews at the Almond Conference in the coming weeks and months on this podcast. So make sure you are subscribed and you stay tuned for those episodes. We here at the Almond Journey Podcast believe everyone in this almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like you just heard from today, may spark a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by following or subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.